Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Uh, today and next week, um, basically because halfway through preparing this message, I realised I had way too much for one week. But uh, over the next two weeks, we're going to be uh, speaking about a series which is called Out of Egypt. And it's speaking about breaking free from the limitations and the boundaries that want to come around and, and constrict our lives. Just like the snakes we had in church uh, a few weeks ago with our um, Faith Over Fear series, there's an enemy of old. Uh, personified in the Bible as a serpent and who wants to choke the life out of you. I know that's not uh, like the nicest thing to hear uh, on, a, on a rainy Sunday morning, but it's, it's the truth. The enemy is against us and he wants to say this far and no further in your life. Freedom up to this point, but no more than that. However, there's something in all of us that desires freedom to go beyond the limits. We want to break free. In a second, I'll start singing Queen, but I want you to, I want you to stay so I won't start singing Queen. But, you know, there's, there's something about freedom in just innate in human beings. So whether that's the, you know, toddler running down the beach in naked freedom, running away from their parents, or whether it's that uh, long-running series that Rachel and I got sucked into a few years ago, Prison Break. I beg you, don't start season one because you'll have to watch to the end to see if they break free. And then guess what? There's season two and they're back in again and they have to break free and there's season three and there's and anyway you get you get the picture but what we're going to do is we're going to look at a story from the bible from the second book of the old testament called exodus and really this uh this, this story this narrative runs from chapters three all the way through to uh, chapter 14 but don't worry we aren't going to read 11 straight chapters of the bible here but you can at home um, it would be great, actually, it would give you a, a bit of a holistic view of this section. And side note, you could probably do it in the same amount of time that it takes you to watch one episode of Prison Break. But I'll just leave that right here for, for, for a minute. But it's the story of God's people in the Old Testament. That's the nation of Israel and their escape or their exodus from slavery in Egypt. Now, we, we say the word story, but uh, we believe the Bible to be true. It's not mythology. This actually happened. Uh, but not only did it happen, but many times, particularly in the Old Testament, that's the first two-thirds of the book before uh, Jesus turns up in the flesh and walks the earth, um, there's events that give us a picture or they illustrate a spiritual concept that we can apply to our lives. And so in this illustration, this, in this exodus where we're going to read, uh, the nation of Israel, they're, they're God's people. Uh, that's, that's you and me. That's all those who believe uh, in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. And Egypt is a picture, it's a type of the world. It's the kingdom of darkness. And so I'll summarise a whole bunch of chapters into just a few short minutes so we can sort of set the scene for where we're going. But, but Moses is an Israelite, um, that's God's people, who grew up as an Egyptian. He'd been called by God. He has this amazing encounter with God where there's a, there's a burning bush that, that catches fire, but it doesn't, it doesn't uh, burn up. There's, he audibly hears the voice of God who instructs him to go back to Egypt and announce to Pharaoh that they need to, to let the people go. So Moses, he doesn't think he can do it. Even though, get this for a second, even though he has audibly heard 
the voice of God, even though he can turn sticks into snakes, even though he can put his hand in his jacket, it goes leprous and he can put it back out and then it's not leprous anymore. Even these amazing miracles that have taken place, Moses still doubts God. But, but anyway, they, he gets someone, a guy called Aaron, who, who comes and does the talking for him. And so they go to Pharaoh in Egypt and they say, hey, listen, God, our God, Yahweh, the God of Israel says that, that you've got to let, let these slaves go. Pharaoh says, no way. And then Aaron and Moses, they have a, you know, uh, they listen to God. They perform these miracles to demonstrate that their God's all powerful and shouldn't be messed with. There's plagues that you should read it. There's plagues of flies, there's frogs, the Nile turns into blood. It's all, there's hailstones, it's all happening. But in amongst all of that, we saw that to get to this point. There's four points where Pharaoh tries to get Moses to compromise and settle for less than what God has spoken to him about. And I've mentioned this before, but this whole journey of God's people, of leaving Egypt in captivity, walking through a wilderness, and then going into a promised land, is also a metaphor for our spiritual journey with God. We begin in Egypt, that is that we're, we're captive to the world, to the world's ways, we're in the kingdom of darkness, separated from God. But then as we surrender our hearts and our lives to Jesus, we're brought out of Egypt, out of captivity, but then there's a journey to go on. And it's a journey that often feels like a wilderness one. It's a, that doesn't necessarily mean that you've done anything wrong, but it's actually how God shapes and molds us and transforms us from the inside out through these testing and challenging seasons because we were conformed to the pattern of this world. We, it was a pattern, but there's a pattern of thinking in Jesus that we're transformed, and the Bible talks about being transformed by the renewal of our mind. But just like uh, there was for the Israelites, there's a land of promise for all of us to walk in, a land of destiny where God's potential is realized, does that mean it's nirvana and that nothing can go wrong and it's all perfection? Absolutely not. The Bible is very clear that storms and battles come, that we face those, but we face them with Jesus. We overcome them because of what he has done for our lives. But there is a promise for all of us that God wants us to step into. Our, our word for the year as a church, which we talk about uh, usually late January, early February, is, is wide open spaces. It's from Romans chapter five and it talks about that God's called us out into these wide open spaces, that there's plans, that there's destiny, that there's opportunities that God wants to open wide to you today and tomorrow and yesterday and 10 years from now and five years from now because God has called us to something. But here in Exodus 3, we're going to read a couple of verses in a moment. This is where God calls Moses from a burning bush, and these are God's promises to him. So Exodus 3, verse 12, this is God speaking to Moses. It says, God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very moment. It's a promise that, God delivers to Moses. And then further down in the same chapter, verses 21 and 22, God's speaking again. He says, And I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably on you. 
They will give you gifts when you go so that you will not leave empty-handed. Every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and fine clothing from her, Egyptian neighbours and from the foreign women in their houses. You will dress your sons and daughters with these, stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. So, so here we see God's promise to Moses is not only are you going free, from slavery, but you're going free and you're overcoming. You're going free and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna bless you. You're going free and you're going into the wilderness, so it's, it's not gonna be easy, but there's something about what God wants to bring and break off our lives, just like He declared to Moses here. And so probably my first question for you this morning really is, have you had a burning bush experience with God? You might think, uh, I've never heard the voice of God uh, audibly and had this bush on fire that didn't, that didn't get consumed. Don't worry, me neither. It's okay. But I have heard the promises of God for my life. I have felt the promptings of God's Spirit to say, this is what I have for you. This is what I have for your family. This is the destiny and the potential that I believe is on, on your life. But, you know, it's when, we, when we have that burning bush experience, we're really asking, have we spent time in relationship to hear God's voice? To hear what He is speaking to us, what He's asking of us. You're not necessarily asking God to agree with our plans, but listening and hearing His direction over your life, over your family, over your future, and over your loved ones. You know, I spoke um, a couple of weeks ago in our online service um, about our life group theme for the months of July and August, which is prayer. And that prayer is not just going through a laundry list of things that we want God to do for us. Now, do we believe in asking God for things? Absolutely. Do we believe in declaring healing over people's bodies, seeing breakthrough in finances, seeing breakthrough in businesses, in relationships? Absolutely. But that's only one aspect of prayer. It's so much wider so much deeper than that. But there's some really practical ways over these next couple of months in our life groups that we can really encounter God in prayer, to listen to His voice, to hear what He is speaking to us. Because just like Moses heard God's voice, he, he was about to face some decisions. He'd heard a promise that God had spoken, that they would come out of captivity and worship God at Mount Sinai, where he had this experience, this burning bush experience. But, and he heard that they wouldn't come out with nothing, but they'd come out overcoming. But he's about to get asked to compromise. And, and I believe that these compromises that were, that were thrown to Moses are often thrown to us by Egypt, thrown to us by the world. And so the first one is found in Exodus chapter 8, verses 24 and 27. Uh, I'll read it for you. Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron. All right, go ahead and offer your sacrifices to your God, he said, but do it here in this land. But Moses replied, that wouldn't be right. The Egyptians detest the sacrifices that we offer to the Lord our God. Look, if we offer our sacrifices here where the Egyptians can see us, they will stone us. We must take a three-day trip into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, just as He has commanded us. The first compromise that Pharaoh tried to sow to Moses and Aaron, to the Israelite nations, and sows to us is this, is you can worship God, but don't leave Egypt. You can worship him. So Pharaoh, it's, this is a few plagues in, it says, all right, enough is enough. You slaves can worship. 
You can celebrate your God, but you aren't to leave this place. You can do your thing, but you still need to remain in our system. You can have your moment, but it can't change your life. You can have some worship, you can sing and dance, but it won't make any lasting change. It's only temporary. The same deal that was offered to Moses is often offered to us as Jesus followers all across the world. The enemy says, all right, I'll, I'll give up. You can have your going to church thing on a Sunday morning. I'll give you that. I'll even go so far as not to be too bothered about you clapping your hands in your faster songs and then lifting your hands in your slower songs. The enemy's like, I'll give you, I'll give you that, that's okay. You can worship God in a moment, but don't you even think about leaving my system. Don't you even think about leaving my ways or my self-centered journey for your life. You can have your God, but only in these certain times. You can feel close to God, but only while there's a band playing, someone preaching, and others around you doing the same. Now, now obviously, we love Sunday morning. We love gathering together as a church. We, we believe it's an amazing time of prayer, of worship, of community, of, uh, of celebration. There's something special and amazing about when we gather together in unity and when we lift our voices in worship to God. But some of my most incredible God experiences, and I'm sure the same for you, they have occurred in, um, in a gathered together place like that. But to think this is the only time that we can connect with God to think that those moments occur, um, that's the only time when we encounter God, that's a lie directly from the enemy. He wants to steal and rob from your life, rob from your destiny, and rob from your relationship with God. Because God has more for you than that. He has more for you than that. And you know, as I was preparing this, I feel uh, particularly fired up and strong and felt strongly the Holy Spirit speaking to me that there's some men in this room today who have thought that I'm just not good at this God stuff. You know, I'll, I believe, I'll turn up to church, it feels great, but ah, I don't know how to read my Bible. Have you seen how thick that thing is? And the first few chapters are good, and you get to that, that book of Leviticus, and it's like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I've thought, you know, I don't know how to pray. I can't sing. My family complain about me singing in the shower. How could I, how could I worship God outside of you? But, but I want to speak into the destiny of men in particular this morning. And, and I want to call you up and out, out of Egypt. Because I want to tell you, it's a lie of the enemy that says you can worship God, but only in Egypt. You can come and feel close to God, but only from about 10 a.m. to about 11.15, depending on how long Marty talks for, you know, on a, on a Sunday morning. That's, that's, that's all you can have. I want to tell you that God has more for your life, that God has a relationship for your life that's life-giving, that, yeah, will it feel awkward sometimes? Does, does praying to God sometimes feel awkward? Absolutely. Is every single time uh, when I pray to God, does it feel like the heavens split open and angels are ascending and descending from heaven? No, absolutely not. But there's something about the consistency of bringing our hearts before God. There's something about the consistency of pushing past the awkwardness and saying, I'm not just gonna be held in captivity where there's only one place I can worship and it's only on a Sunday morning. God's called us for that. I, I believe and I know that church feels great, but you know what, there's something more than that. Some of you here, you, you're thinking, God would never speak to me. God, God, would, God would never send his voice to my life, but I want to tell you, he, he will, and he does. He's looking 
for a people that are with a listening ear, a people that are just create some space in their schedule, some, some moments in their time outside of just a Sunday morning. He's calling you up out of Egypt, not just for moments, but for good, to live a life of the Spirit in connection with God, that whether I'm at church or at home or at work or in the surf or enjoying time with friends, that God's in all of those and He wants to have a relationship with God through us. In a message to the uh, Laodicean church right at the other end of the Bible, in Revelation, uh, the Apostle John writes this to a church that had become indifferent to God. Revelation 3.20, it says, Look, I stand at the door and knock, If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and he will share a meal together as friends. Oftentimes, and it's totally fine, that verse is used when we ask people to come to Christ for the first time. But in actual fact, where that's written is to people that had known God, but had grown cold. And so I want to challenge us this morning, because that, I love that phrase of sharing a meal. Jesus wants to come in and and share a meal. It speaks of relationship. It speaks of a daily walk with God. It speaks of a a personal relationship with Him. I want to encourage you, don't give in to the compromise of worshipping God but not leaving Egypt. Right after that, in nearly the next verse, Moses responds to Pharaoh about the fact they cannot worship God and stay in Egypt. So Pharaoh entices Moses with the next compromise. This is uh, Exodus 28. He says this, All right, go ahead, Pharaoh replied. I will let you go into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord your God, but don't go too far away. Now hurry and pray for me. If you've read and know the story, then Pharaoh decides, no, actually, I don't want to do that. But the the second compromise that Pharaoh tries to entice Moses with is you can worship God but stay close to Egypt. You can, I'll let you go and worship God in the wilderness, says Pharaoh, but don't go too far. You need to stay pretty close to us. But here's the problem, because the Bible says this in Isaiah 55 verse eight, God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You see, to follow God fully, to embrace what Jesus has for our lives, we need to leave the captivity of Egypt far behind us. Not just a little way, not just a couple of steps out, but a long way back. You see, to worship God is to live in step with Jesus, but it's to live out of step with the world. And, and, and can I just say, in my opinion, in an increasingly postmodern, post-Christian society, this is becoming and probably will become even more apparent. Listen to these strong words of Jesus in John 15, 18 and 19. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of this world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Jesus had, has chosen you to come out of the world to come out of Egypt into a life with Him. Does that mean that we look down on others that don't know Jesus and think ourselves as superior? Absolutely not. If that's our attitude, then we, we truly aren't walking with Christ because we're only saved by 
His grace and mercy. It's not because of our own doing, but because of what Jesus has done for us. Does that mean that we don't show care and compassion or have people skills? You know, the world hates me like they hated Jesus. No, you're just being a jerk. That's why they, that's why they don't like you. No, no, that's not what Jesus is talking about there. But what we do is we share with others with even more compassion, with even more conviction, excuse me, with even more grace, because we know the life that Jesus has brought us into. We pray with even more fervor that people would surrender their lives to Jesus, that they stop trying to do life in their own strength, in their own ways, and realize that there's a God who loves them and sent His Son for them. But it's also important to realize that we've been called out of the ways and out of the patterns of this world. This means that to worship God, it must influence our whole life. It must influence our work life, how we do business, how we treat people that we come into contact with on a daily basis, how we do family, how we respond to people when they hurt us or let, or let us down. To worship God means that we believe that our true identity as sons and daughters of God is actually found externally flowing from heaven to us. It's not, it's not actually found by searching deep inside for our true self, no matter how many Disney movies you've seen that, that, that tell you that. That's not where identity is found. Our true identity is found in Christ. It's found in God. It's found as we push our lives into Him, as we say, God, would you speak to me as a son and daughter of God? Would you, would you give me that boldness and that foundation, that identity that I am found in you? You see, the enemy wants you to compromise. Maybe just as the band joins me as we're about to, about to wrap up. The enemy wants you to compromise. He wants you to think and live as if you have two separate lives. He wants you to think and live as if you have a sacred life. Sure, you can pray, you can read your Bible, uh, you can go to church, you can even get involved in one of those life group things, but, but, but there's a secular life. There's work, there's sport, there's hobbies, there's not out with the boys or girls night. There's all those secular things that have nothing to do with following Jesus. That's how the enemy wants you to live. But that's not how Jesus has called us to live. You'll probably need that. Thanks. <laughs> 1 John 2 verses 15 to 17. I'd love to read this to you to be on the screen. I do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our own achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Here's an invitation from God to follow Him to live our lives out of step with the world, but in step with Jesus. Out of step with the patterns and the thinking and the ways of Egypt, but in step with God's promises for our lives, with the destiny and the potential that He has in each and every one of us. No, no matter what our past has been like, no matter what last week, last night was like, God has called us to live in a place that's connected to Him, that's at one with Him. 
And maybe this morning as I listed some of those areas, maybe work, maybe friendships, maybe, hey, speak to others or about others, maybe what you watch or listen to, maybe God's just by His Holy Spirit putting His finger on some things that are maybe just a little bit too close to Egypt. Uh, a few things, a few ways and patterns of responses to our husbands or wives or responses to our friends or what's going on at work that are just, they're, they're a little bit too close, excuse me, to the pattern of this world. A little bit too close to Egypt, a little bit too close to how the enemy wants us to live. But God has called us not to compromise because there is a full freedom that's available to each and everyone, no matter our past, in Christ. And we wanna say no to the compromises of this world, but yes to what Jesus has said. Maybe there's some things that need to shift, some habits that need to change, some adjustments that need to take place because, because God has called us not to fall for the compromise of worshiping God, but staying in Egypt. He, he hasn't called us to fall for the compromise of worshiping God, but only going one or two steps out. So this morning, in, in, a, in a minute or two, we're gonna, we're gonna sing this powerful worship song about the beautiful name of Jesus. And I, I'd love you to use it as a response to the Word of God this morning, to use it as a declaration over your life that says, I'm gonna lift up the name of Jesus. I'm going to declare that I'm coming out of Egypt fully. That, that I'm, going to, I'm going to sing these words, not just a song, not just because there's lyrics on a screen, but I, I'm going to declare the name of Jesus over my life, over my family. You know, the Bible says this. It says that at the mention of the name of Jesus, it says that every knee has to bow and every tongue has to confess to the living God. Maybe there's, some, maybe there's some sickness in your body that needs to bow its knee to Jesus Christ. Maybe there's some financial situations that need to bow their knee to Jesus Christ. Maybe there's some relational and family pressures. Maybe there's some parenting pressures. Maybe you're a teenager here. There's some school pressures. You're about to go back to school this week. You're like, I don't want to go. And it's not just because I want to sleep until, you know, 11 a.m. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's, there's more than that. I want to tell you, would you declare the name of Jesus Christ over your school, over your life, over uh, everything about us? Because God has a plan for us. He wants us to come out of captivity, out of Egypt, and He wants us in the promise that He has for our lives. But one more moment before we sing, because maybe there's someone here and you've never made that decision, that initial decision to ask Jesus Christ to come and live on the inside of your life. Uh, I, I want to tell you, it would be our greatest privilege to lead you in a prayer this morning that connects you with Jesus Christ. And so right across this place, I'd love you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to give people a moment because in a moment we're going to pray. But before we pray, just as a, a point of decision for you and so that we can know who we're praying with. If you've never made a decision before to follow Jesus or you have done, but you know something's come in to, to sever and to cut that tie, to cut that connection with God. Would you just lift your hand right now where you are? I won't pull you out the front or embarrass you. You can put it back down and then we'll, um, we'll pray. Yeah, I see that hand back there. That's awesome. So good. Is there someone else who wants, to, who wants to join and say, you know what? I want to 
make a decision to allow Jesus Christ into my life. Is there anyone else here this morning? We thank you right now, Jesus. Yep, I see that hand. That's amazing. Well done. So good. So good. We're going to pray together. Let's repeat this prayer after me, more importantly, to God. Would we pray, dear Lord Jesus, this morning, I give my life to you. From this day forward, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live connected to you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we put our hands